Lesson 2, Zoonotic Disease Exposures in Rural Communities. In this lesson, we will discuss exposure risks for several livestock and poultry zoonoses in rural communities. This lesson is divided into five sections. First, we will discuss the risk area approach to zoonotic disease prevention. Then we will look at the four risk areas, animal contact, animal environment, food and water, and vector and reservoirs in greater detail. Examples of zoonotic diseases for each risk area will be provided. The learning objectives for lesson two are to list the four risk areas where people can be exposed to zoonotic diseases of livestock and poultry. Describe the corresponding routes of transmission and entry pathways for each risk area, and list at least one example of a zoonotic disease for each risk area. Part one, zoonoses exposure risks in rural communities. As mentioned in lesson one, one way to approach zoonotic disease awareness and prevention is by a risk area approach. This approach addresses risk areas, routes of transmission, and entry pathways for zoonotic diseases. It is an encompassing approach for exposures and is applicable for a diverse range of pathogens, known and unknown. It also translates across all species and provides a proactive and practical way to promote prevention to your clients in a manageable manner and hopefully one that will be more likely to succeed in implementation. Farm activities involve interacting with animals and their environment. Oftentimes, infected animals may be asymptomatic or if ill, the actual cause may not be known yet, either due to limited or pending diagnostics. While the risk of zoonotic disease exposure will never be zero, identifying risk areas and transmission routes can help to determine the most effective and often simple prevention measures needed to minimize exposures and mitigate the entry of zoonotic pathogens to better protect yourself, your staff, and your clients. Disease does not occur randomly, but involves the complex interaction between a disease agent or pathogen, the host, animal or human, and the environment. This interconnected relationship is referred to as the epidemiological triangle or triad. Disease occurrence is further determined by characteristics of each component, such as characteristics of the agent, the particular pathogen, the number of organisms present, their virulence, pathogenicity, and environmental resistance, as well as the host range, communicability, and routes of transmission. Characteristics of the host, such as the particular species affected, its age, immunity, as well as genetics or level of nutrition also plays an important role. Lastly, characteristics of the environment or factors external to the host can either enhance or reduce the risk of disease. Factors such as husbandry and housing conditions, the level of sanitation, the climate or season, and the presence of vectors or reservoirs contribute to the spread and occurrence of disease. The complex interaction of these elements impacts the development and distribution of disease within individuals as well as within populations. However, one thing all infectious diseases, including zoonoses, have in common is that a person or animal must be exposed to an agent to be at risk for the development of disease. The chain of infection concept describes how components of the epidemiological triangle are linked or interconnected. It outlines the sequence of events that can lead to exposure and potential infection. The chain starts with an agent or pathogen within a particular source, an infected animal, person or vector, or a contaminated object or substance such as a food product. The agent is then released from the infected source through a portal of exit, generally tissues or body fluids. 
This usually corresponds to the site where the pathogen is localized. For example, influenza viruses exit the respiratory tract while Salmonella exits with the feces. After exiting, the pathogen must then be transmitted to the susceptible host. This can occur in different ways, directly by physical contact or indirectly via contact with contaminated objects or surfaces, also called fomites, airborne transmission, as well as ingestion. Arthropod vectors are possible intermediaries in the transmission process. The pathogen must then enter or access the susceptible host in some manner. This occurs through a portal of entry or site where the pathogen gains access to the new host's tissues where it can multiply. Oftentimes, the portal of entry is similar to the portal of exit. For example, influenza viruses exit the respiratory tract of the source host, then enter the respiratory tract of the new host. Some pathogens, such as enteric organisms, follow a fecal-oral route. They exit the source in the feces, but enter the new host through the mouth, with the method of transmission occurring in a variety of ways, including contaminated hands, food products, or objects in the environment. Once a pathogen enters a susceptible host, characteristics of the host, such as immunity, determine the ability of the individual to resist or succumb to infection. The chain of infection concept is helpful when considering prevention. All components of the chain must be present for an infection to occur. If one of the links of the chain is missing or deliberately broken, the spread of the pathogen from a source to another host is effectively controlled. So to prevent exposure, we must focus on three key areas, the source of the zoonotic pathogen or risk area, transmission from the infected source to the new host, person, or another animal, followed by the entry into the person or the other animal. First, let's look at the four main risk areas or sources for exposure in rural communities. Pathogen exposure can occur from contact with animals, usually their body tissues or fluids, sometimes the hide, hair, wool, or feathers, and bites or scratches. Other risk areas include contaminated animal environments or animal products, or from various arthropod vectors such as mosquitoes and ticks. From these risk areas, disease agents can then be transferred by five routes of transmission, direct contact, contaminated objects or fomites, airborne transmission, entry into the mouth, and vector transmission. Transmission routes will vary with each pathogen. Some may only be transmitted by one route, while others spread by multiple routes. Of course, it takes more than transmission to cause disease. The pathogen needs to enter the body, and ultimately there are limited options for this. First is the entry via breaks in the skin. Most pathogens cannot enter past the defense mechanisms of intact skin, but situations such as bites or scratches, puncture wounds such as needle stick injuries, and vector bites can inoculate organisms into the body. Pathogens can also enter through cuts and scrapes, dry chapped skin, or abrasions that provide a portal of entry for zoonotic pathogens. A few organisms can directly penetrate the skin's surface, Leptospira for one, but this generally requires prolonged exposure, such as submersion in urine-contaminated water. Another important portal of entry is via mucous membranes of the eyes, nose, and mouth. The pathogen may be transmitted by aerosol or contaminated dust or droplets from animal fluids, which are deposited on the mucous membranes, gaining entry into the body. However, one of the most common methods of introducing pathogens to the eyes, nose, and mouth is by contaminated hands or clothing such as a handkerchief. Additionally, inhaling contaminated aerosols or dust helps organisms gain direct access to the respiratory system. And lastly, entry can occur by ingestion. 
After eating or drinking contaminated animal products such as undercooked meat, unpasteurized milk or dairy products, raw eggs, or contaminated water sources, as well as by contaminated hands or objects placed in the mouth. It is also important to remember that pathogens can spread by various routes. Not all pathogens spread by all routes. Additionally, disease transmission can occur without animals exhibiting obvious clinical signs of disease. Understanding which disease-causing organisms you are up against can also help in determining which routes of transmission will be of most concern during farm activities. The main point is that many zoonotic pathogens can be found in similar risk areas, can be transmitted by similar routes of transmission, and all require entry into the body to cause disease. Therefore, focusing preventative efforts on these three areas can be an effective way to minimize a wide range of zoonotic diseases in rural communities. For a more comprehensive listing, see the Zoonotic Diseases of Agricultural Animals by Risk Areas handout on the CFSPH website. In the next several sections, we will look more closely at each risk area, corresponding transmission routes, and entry pathways. Zoonotic disease examples for each risk area will be provided. We'll first talk about the animal contact risk area.